Well, greetings everyone. It's my pleasure to share God's word with you today. So uh, let's, before we do that, uh, can I just invite us to pray? Let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful, fresh new day you've given us. We thank you for your faithfulness, your presence with us. And we thank you that you will be with us now as we open your word, that you might speak to our hearts and help us to hear your voice, Lord. We want to listen to you. We want, to, want you to teach us your way so that we may walk in it with you. So we bless you now and we look forward to our time together with you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you again today. And may I say on this Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day to all the mums, um, all the mums who are present and, and watching this today. I also just wanted to, uh, on this Mother's Day, acknowledge um, that for some of our women folk, um, Mother's Day may not necessarily be um, a time for, for happy thoughts or fond memories. I think that's just the reality of how things are. Um, and it may even cause some distress for some of our mums that are here uh, today and, and uh, just generally for our, for our ladies. Um, you know, my prayer is that uh, for you that God will speak to you through his word today and that by his spirit that he'll touch you as, a, as the loving Heavenly Father that he is, who, who knows each of his daughters so well, uh, may you know his touch in your life today. <clears throat> but for all the mothers who are listening and watching, um, you know, you know so well that with motherhood, it brings so many other dimensions to your life. Uh, and Sarah knew that too. Sarah uh, knew that well as she gave birth to Isaac. Likewise, it was the same for, for, for Hagar uh, as she gave birth to Ishmael. Though I wanted to focus mainly on the motherhood of Sarah in our talk today. You know, life itself, as we all know, does have many dimensions to it. And the Bible openly recognises this fact. I mean, for example, Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he certainly acknowledges this when he said, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then verse 4, he says, There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And then verse 8, he said, There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. And family life can be exactly like that. It has its ups and downs, its peaks and its troughs, its, its laughter and its tears. Uh, and uh, possibly even war and peace. Uh, but may there be more peace than, than wars in your family in these present and very testing circumstances of coronavirus that we're all enduring at the moment, um, along with the accompanying restrictions on our lives. Um, it is easy to say, isn't it? it? It's very easy to say, well, we just all need to be patient. Well, if you're like me, uh, we all know that. Uh, but we also ask that the Lord would be our strength and uh, be our portion during these times. But you know, in this story of Abraham and Sarah, they did have to be patient. They were patient for 25 years, waiting, waiting for God to fulfill his promise to Sarah that uh, she would give birth to her son Isaac. And, uh, but before I speak on, on patience, and I want to really touch on that a bit, um, before I speak on the patience that Sarah displayed in waiting during all those years, I want us to recognise the faithfulness that God displayed in his word over all those years. God 
keeps his promises. God keeps his word. Unlike you and me, in our imperfect human state, who may at best simply forget the promises that we made, you know, or have made, um, or at worst choose not to honour it at all if they don't suit us. Broken promises. Have you ever been the victim of one or more of those? Now, they hurt, don't they? I can still remember when I was a child at the age of 12, 13, uh, I was promised by a man that I trusted. And you might even find this a bit humorous, but this man was an inmate in the prison that my dad worked in, in Adelaide. And he was our gardener. We lived on the prison reserve. And this man, this prisoner was, was, one, was a gardener. And uh, we sort of befriended him in many ways. Obviously, there were boundaries that we needed to watch out for. But, but he promised me. Actually, my dad was there when he made that promise that when he got out of prison, that he would make me a motorised go-kart. And I was so excited about that. I, I took him at his word. And I was excited at the prospect of this. So when he was released, which wasn't all that long after he made that promise, I waited expectantly, day after day, week after week, months, a year passed, it never came, it never happened. And I was disappointed. You might say I was even angry that he never kept his promise. But my dear friend, mums today, Hear this, God never fails to deliver on his promises. Just ask Sarah. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And listen to these words, at the very time God promised him. At the very time. It was not a day earlier. It was not a day later. God makes and keeps perfect promises. You and I generally don't. Joshua, he says this in Joshua 21:45. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. And then Paul, when he wrote to Titus, he said this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Verse 2, he says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. People will hurt you and people will let you down. Not necessarily intentionally, but because we are broken. We're broken people. And so will our promises be broken from time to time. But God is faithful and dependable and always keeps his word. But it may mean that you and I will need to be patient as Sarah was, because not only are the promises of God perfect, but so is his time in fulfilling them. Remember that beautiful verse, but when the fullness of time came, says the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4.4. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son. And when the fullness of time comes again, God will send forth his Son a second time to receive to himself those who are patiently waiting for him. 
And my dear friends, can I ask you today, does that include you? Do you know that come that day, as you wait for the Lord Jesus, he's coming back for you because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that your name is written in heaven and you know that one day Jesus is coming back for you and you'll be with him forever. So Sarah knew that God was faithful to his promises. But secondly, Sarah also knew that she needed to be patient. Patient. Though we know in Genesis chapter 16, Sarai, as she was, no, as she was called then, she lapsed in her patience. She, she lapsed in a time of impatience. And, and so did Abraham. Uh, Abraham, as he was known back then. Sarah unwisely took things in her own hands and gave her Egyptian slave Hagar to her husband to bear a child through her. And that was an acceptable custom back in that day. And the birth of Ishmael was the result. And we know along with Ishmael came all kinds of trouble, which still remains to this very day. It's what the journalists call the Arab-Israeli Arab conflict. You know, and if there is a lesson to learn, and there is from Genesis 16, it's this. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own wisdom. Don't be impatient. Trust the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Even if it takes you 25 years, and even if it seems humanly impossible, as it was in this case for Sarah, who knew that she was past childbearing. That was Sarah. Abraham was the same. Listen to how Paul describes Abraham in Romans chapter 4, 19 to 21. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But I love these verses. Look at this. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. But the reality is there are times when faith requires much patience. You know, what, what might the Lord today be telling you to be patient about in your own life? Perhaps even in your role as a wife or as a mother. Have you ever been in that place where out of sheer frustration you've cried out to the Lord, Lord, teach me to be patient. You might be sitting in traffic. You might be dealing with cranky kids. You might be dealing with a strained relationship at home or at work. And you cry out, God, give me patience. Teach me to be patient. And then the Lord says to you, he kind of whispers to your heart and he says, that's what I'm doing right here and right now. And then you pray, oh, Lord, can you teach me later? Can you teach me later? Do it later. And the Lord whispers back, now is a good time. You see, that's what the Lord was teaching Sarah and Abraham as they waited 25 years for his promise to be fulfilled in the birth of Isaac. Listen to God's precious words through, the, through James. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting 
to the autumn and spring rains, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And again, we know that the coming of the Lord is near. We also know that it will take place in God's perfect and planned, ordained time. His perfect time, which is so often not our time. And after years of waiting, after years of waiting, Sarah now soars. She has great joy and she gave birth to her child of promise. A son who Abraham, in keeping with God's instructions to him in Genesis 17 and verse 19, gave the name Isaac, which translates means he laughs. Or as another writer says, it can also mean God has prepared laughter for me. So thirdly, Sarah knew God had brought her laughter. Therefore, this time, laughter was so appropriate because it was an expression of great joy. Whereas Sarah's laughter back in Genesis 18 and verse 12, as we know, was not, was not a laughter of joy, but of unbelief. And the Lord rebuked her for it. But now, but now, God had intended to prepare laughter for her. Laughter for her and, and joy. Now joy came to this family in the form of a son promised by God. And Sarah says in verses 6 and 7 of Genesis 21, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You know, I've got this question and it's this. When did you last have a good laugh? When did you last have a good laugh? And you know, if you have to stop and think about that, then probably it's been too long. And yes, we all know. We know that, that there is so much pain and sadness in our world today. And a lot of that's close to home. We know that. But on this Mother's Day, I believe that God wants you to also know his deep joy. Even laughter, as Sarah experienced. An online article from the Mayo Clinic says some interesting things about laughter. Let me just read some of these things and, and uh, do it fairly quickly because there's a little bit here I'd like to share with you. It says this, a good laugh has great short-term and long-term effects. When you start to laugh, it doesn't just lighten your load mentally, it actually induces physical changes in your body. Laughter can, firstly, stimulate many organs. Laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, your lungs and your muscles, and increases the endorphins that are released by your brain. Secondly, Laughter active, can activate and relieve your stress response. A rollicking laugh fires up and then cools down your stress response. It can increase and then decrease your heart rate and your blood pressure. The result, a good relaxed feeling. Thirdly, soothe tension. Laughter can soothe tension. Laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation, both of which can help reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. And then some long-term effects. Laughter, laughter isn't just a quick pick-me-up. It's also good for you over the long term. Laughter may improve your immune system. 
Negative thoughts manifest into chemical reactions that can affect your body by bringing more stress into your system and decreasing your immunity. By contrast, positive thoughts can actually release neuro, uh, neuropeptides that help fight stress and potentially more serious illnesses. Also, it relieves pain. Laughter may ease pain by causing the body to produce its own natural painkillers. It'll increase personal satisfaction. Laughter can also make it easier to cope with difficult situations. It also helps you to connect with other people. And then th the last one, improve your mood. Many people experience depression, sometimes due to chronic illnesses. Laughter can help lessen your depression and anxiety and make you feel happier. And obviously there are times when it's appropriate to laugh and times when it's not appropriate to laugh. And I would never, I'd never set out to embarrass my wife, but I honestly have to say I love to see Rosemary laugh. I don't know what it is about that, but it just gets me laughing. I love to see my wife laughing. And I reckon Abraham would have also loved to have seen his wife, Sarah, laugh when she held Isaac in his arms, in her arms. After he was born, of course. I don't think many women laugh during childbirth. But you know, back in, in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 17, when Abraham received the promise of a son through Sarah, he did laugh. He laid on the ground and he laughed. And I suggest it was a laugh of, of hope and a laugh of joy. But what a beautiful thing Sarah said. God has brought me laughter. God has brought me laughter. And on this Mother's Day, my prayer for you is that God will bring you laughter. May the Lord fill your home and your families with his joy and with his laughter. And furthermore, may each home know the joy that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose messianic uh, ancestral line came through Isaac, born to Sarah, the mother who said, God has brought me laughter. May you know that joy in your own home this day and the days that lie ahead. But as we are also aware, laughter can also be short-lived. And after about three years, we have this next scene where fourthly now, Sarah knew that Ishmael would not be part of Isaac's life. Look at these verses in 10 to, 10 to, sorry, from 8 to verse 10. The child grew and was weaned. And on that day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. At about this time, Isaac was around three years old and Ishmael was about 15, although some say he could have been 17. And like most mothers, Sarah had a watchful eye over her little three-year-old son during this feast. Then Sarah saw something that Ishmael did to this little defenceless brother that greatly disturbed her and I think obviously angered her. The Bible says that Ishmael was mocking Isaac. I believe Isaac was the object of his mocking. And 
there's, there's no other details that the scriptures give that describe exactly what that was. But the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, he makes reference to this same incident. And he says this in Galatians 4 and verse 29, At that time the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. And so much could be said about that verse. So much could be said about that passage. This verse about the flesh or the carnal, you know, will always persecute the spirit. And it is the same today. It is the same today. Those who want to live according to the things of God, who are filled with the spirit, will be persecuted by those who live according to the flesh. Even religious people who are carnal You'll be persecuted by them if you're fed income in your faith and in your love for God. The reality is Ishmael will always persecute Israel. Isaac, I'm sorry. Whatever the nature of this behaviour was, Sarah saw red and she acted swiftly and decisively. And she said to her husband in verse 10, you get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Sarah clearly was a protective mother, which instinctively most mothers are. So was Hagar with her son Ishmael in the desert. After they were expelled, she did her best to protect and preserve Ishmael's life. And verses 15 to 16 speak about that. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. When she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And if you keep reading that passage, it's an amazing passage of God's grace and mercy. He met, he met uh, Ishmael. He met Sarah. Sorry, he met... I've blown it. How do I do that? <laughs> oh, Let me go back to... Yeah, it's just, yeah. Where can I go? Uh, where am I? I'll go, to the, I'll go back here. Whatever the exact nature of the behaviour was, Sarah saw red and she acted swiftly and decisively and said to her husband in verse 10, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Sarah clearly was a protective mother, which instinctively most mothers are. And the same was with Hagar, with her son Ishmael in the desert. After they were expelled, she did her best to protect and preserve his life. And if you keep reading those verses, you'll see that God met Hagar. God met Ishmael and uh, met the needs that they had. God is amazingly gracious. I can remember my own mother acting in a similar way, being protective. One day when I was not much older than Isaac was in this particular story here, I was walking home from kindy. Yep, something that you'd never do today. But I remember walking home and there was this other kid <clears throat> and I knew who he was. <clears throat> and for some reason he picked up a stone, he threw it at me and hit me in the head. And he cut it and it made it bleed and it bled profusely, which typically head wounds seem to do. In fact, that little white pinstripe nylon shirt, and I can still remember that, 
was soaked in blood by the time I got home. And when I did get home, my mother, who was a nurse, after she had checked me over, um, she took that blood-soaked shirt over to the mother of the boy who threw the stone. And my mum, all four foot, 11 and a half inches of her, she never told me what she said to that other boy's mother. But I honestly can't remember ever seeing that kid come near me again. Mothers, by their very nature, are protective of their children. And how essential that they are. How essential that both parents are protective of their children in these days, particularly in these days of so much online stuff, so much online abuse, bullying, and predatory behaviour by those who seek to harm our kids. We all need to be so watchful and alert, both online and out there in society. And Sarah, as a mother, was no different, and she demanded that that slave woman and her son be banished from the household. And again, when you think about it, it's the same today. It's the same today. Whatever influences, whatever practices that are detrimental to the well-being of our own children, we need to say, get rid of that. Get rid of it. It will never share in my child's life. I don't want it as an influence in my child's life. And in many ways, um, it's what Sarah said. Uh, and, and what she did say was prophetic and certainly viewed as scripture, which I find is amazing. For Paul says this in Galatians 4, and again, verse 30 to 31, but what does scripture say? But what does scripture say, he says? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Amen. Yes, my dear sisters and brothers in Christ, we are indeed a children of the free woman. Time has certainly gone. And let me just uh, again uh, bring a recap to this. Just these four points again. Sarah knew that God was faithful to his promises. Sarah knew she needed to be patient. She also knew that, that uh, God had brought her laughter. God had brought her laughter. And fourthly, Sarah knew that Ishmael would not be part of Isaac's life. And just as a, 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 to close our, our time together, I'd like to read something from a devotional that my wife had. Um, it's called Women of the Bible. And uh, I'd just like to read something that is said about Sarah from this devotional reading. It says this, Sarah died at the age of 127 and was buried in Hebron. Between Isaac's birth and her own death, lay 37 years, ample time to reflect on her life's adventure with God. Was she ashamed of her treatment of the ill-fated Hagar? Did she remember laughing when God told Abraham that she would bear a child at the age of 90? Did she appreciate the echoing irony in young Isaac's laughter? Did she have any idea she would one day be revered as the mother of Israel? Indeed, a symbol of the promise, just as Hagar was to become a symbol of slavery under the law. Scripture does not say, but it is heartening to realise that God accomplishes his purposes despite our frailties, our little faith, our entrenched self-reliance. Sarah was a risk taker of the first order, 
a woman who said goodbye to everything familiar to travel to a land she knew nothing about. A real flesh and blood kind of lady who lived an adventure more strenuous than a fairy tale heroine. An adventure that began with a promise and ended with laughter. And mums today, mums, are, I believe, are amazing people. And I trust that you agree with that. Let's, let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for the mothers who are part of your kingdom. We thank you for their ministry, for their service. We thank you for the sacrifices that they make. And we thank you, Father, for their desire to see their children growing and developing, particularly Christian mums wanting to see their kids following Jesus, wanting to be more like him. And Father, we thank you for role models like we have in Sarah, who was a real woman, one who had doubts and fears, but one who also trusted you. And then, Lord, was indeed blessed as you chose to bless her with a son of her own. So thank you, Lord, for that. And I just pray for all the mums again that you will give them the patience, the endurance, the perseverance. Give them the joy. Give them the laughter. Give them, Father, your rich blessing, we pray, as we commit them all lovingly into your hands. And we give you thanks for our time that we've shared together today. In Jesus' name, amen.